He is greater. Jesus Christ, he is our king. He is our hope. He is heir of all things. He purifies us from sin. We have life eternal because of him. He is our great God. Amen. Man, it's great to be here with you. It is great to be celebrating. We are here to worship Jesus Christ. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the one who died for us. Jesus is his name, and we celebrate him with all we've got. And all of God's people said, Amen, man, don't miss it. There is one reason we rally together to make much of Jesus Christ. Hey, we're launching a new sermon series here today. And in fact, we're launching three sermon series throughout the year. And we're going to be walking through the book of Hebrews. We're going to be doing the first 10 chapters of Hebrews this year, kind of September to May. And we're going to be walking through them in three segments, all right? And the book of Hebrews talks all about the greatness of Jesus Christ. Uses the word better or superior or greater. And that's what we're calling the series, Greater. And we're going to talk about it in three facets. First one, greater, Jesus, my God. And then greater, Jesus, my high priest. And then greater, Jesus, my sacrifice. As we walk through these 10 chapters of Hebrews, man, I'm telling you, there is so much pain and heartache and struggle going on. And just like there is now, so there was back in this day. And Hebrews was written kind of in the maybe 50s or early 60s A.D., And as it was written then, there was so many people struggling with being imprisoned and with being persecuted and going through heartache and just tough, tough times going on. And this book was written to say, don't worry about it. Let's take our eyes off of the problem and put them on the problem solver. May Jesus Christ be our everything. Man, that's the calling. And so this series is called Greater, Jesus My God. And we're going to dive in and we're going to make much of him as we go through it. So here we go. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Hebrews 1, starting in verse 1. And as we get going here, uh, first point, believe. Jesus is a message of hope, our creator and sustainer. Believe. Jesus is a message of hope, our creator and sustainer. Our call to action is believe. Everybody just say believe. Man, don't miss it. As we learn about Jesus, we are going to be called to action. This isn't just a bunch of information. May God truly get all the praise and the glory as we walk along. You know, there are a number of people that have written large amounts of book on uh, who actually wrote the book of Hebrews. And, you know, many would say, well, maybe I think it's this guy or that guy. And they pick a title of a name. Just so you know, the book of Hebrews does not say who wrote it. And so you have to surmise a little bit as you go. Some would say, I think the Apostle Paul. And there's some similarities in the uh, sharing of what goes on there. And I agree, there are a lot of similarities. I'm not sure if I would say it is the Apostle Paul. I would just hold on that. Um, I'll say it this way. There's a lot of language in the original language in the Greek that's very different than the words that Paul tended to use. In fact, words that are used only once there in the book of Hebrews. So if it's not Paul, it's somebody a lot like him. Somebody that was deeply entrenched, Jewish in nature, long-standing in their understanding of Old Testament law, walked that journey. Paul was a Pharisee, so like that, a Pharisee or a priest in their knowledge and understanding. And uh, somebody deeply entrenched in what was in the Old Testament, 
but now grasping a passionate understanding of Jesus Christ. That's who the author is of Hebrews, whatever name that guy may carry, right? And uh, just so you know, the title of the book of Hebrews was not Hebrews. Originally, in the first manuscripts, it was to the Hebrews. It was written literally to the Jewish people to give them an understanding of, yes, the Old Testament that you have and the value of it, but it's pointing forward to Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment. And this is a massive statement to the Jewish people of the worship of Christ is so appropriate. The Old Testament was but a shadow pointing to the New Testament, Jesus Christ. So that's where we're going. We're diving in with Hebrews chapter 1, our call here, believe Jesus is a message of hope. Here we go, starting in verse 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Let's just hold right there. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways. You can just imagine there's sort of a backdrop of like a galaxy of stars. And the white letters are starting to fade back in. And you can hear the blast of trumpets, as, right? It's like a Star Wars startup, right? Long, long ago in a place far, far away. And that's what he's saying. He's like, it was a long time ago. And there was a lot of difference in what went on. And but long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. He means they're the forefathers, those who were sort of the leadership of Israel, those Jewish leaders. They knew and understood what God was saying and what God wanted because the prophets shared with them. God spoke to the prophets. These men, these prophets then shared with the leadership and they knew where to go. So the hope that they had was that God does share, thus saith the Lord through the prophets. That's how things used to be led in the Old Testament. And we see it all through the Old Testament scripture is these prophets speaking forth and sharing the truth and then the leadership of Israel in various ways understanding, whether that be a, a king or, or a judge or whoever. And, and so they were moving forward with the prophets speaking. It says, but, man, when you read the scripture, make sure you pay really close attention to words. Words like, but, this huge contradiction, like it used to be God speaking through prophets and that one man would then share out, thus saith the Lord. But now it's all different. It says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In these last days, he has spoken by the son of God. In these last days, he has spoken by Jesus Christ, fully God, who stepped down into this world, God among us. God not talking to a prophet and that guy just sharing it across. God now with us, Jesus Christ. He's like, man, make sure you grasp. Jesus is here and it's way better. He is greater than the prophets. Jesus an amazing hope for us. Fully God, clothed with flesh, fully man, here among us, speaking forth. And every time Jesus spoke, thus saith the Lord. Hope as God is reaching out to us. And he's like, hey, just so you know, we had this now message through the Son of God. It says, whom he appointed the heir of all things. God the Father appointed God the Son, heir of all things, like all things physical in creation are rightly belonging to Jesus Christ. This is kind of that innuendo to come of Jesus is going to be declared King of Kings, Lord of Lords. All of it is his. 
Everything physical in the world is his. And then he goes on to explain a little bit of why. Why would Jesus be declared heir? Why would God the Father, who really is owning it all, everything belongs to God, why is he now declaring the Son to be heir and king in the future? He says right after it, uh, through whom also he created the world. Jesus, God the Son, clothed in the flesh, that same being at the beginning of all of things physical, Jesus is the one who spoke all of this into existence, right? We know that God spoke in the beginning. God said, let there be, and then fill in the blank, and then there was. Let there be light. Well, we know from Colossians chapter one that actually that was Jesus speaking that out. Jesus was the one saying, let there be. God the Father over it all, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit partnered in and them in total unity, they together agreeing to create but the privilege was given to Jesus. He spoke it into existence. His power unleashed, the power of God now unleashed in and his word representing it. And as creation is made, he will then be placed over creation as king and ultimately as savior and Lord. God has a plan. And so God the Father allowing God the Son to be the one who speaks it into existence. And man, it's super important that we grasp that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all in unity and agreement on the creation, right? If you go to like Genesis 1, 27 and 28, it says, let us make man in our image. It's the Godhead together working together, but Jesus being the representative, being able to speak out the very power of God and create through his word. He says it and it is. Jesus Christ. Man, he is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. greater. Yeah, louder and bigger. He is greater, loud and big. Man, it's huge that we grasp this. We're going to have to get on this with all we've got. He is greater. He's been appointed heir of all things. He created these things. It says he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance, like he is the beaming forth, the brightness the perfection of the glory of God shining out, the brightness of the light that almost makes you have to turn away so bright. Radiance. This is a word that does not mean like if you take a flashlight and point it at a mirror and it bounces off and it's really bright in your eyes, that mirror is not radiating, it's reflecting. That's super different. It's not him reflecting the light of God. He is radiating the light of God. He emits it. He is the source of it. The very glory of God pouring out of him. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And the glory of God thunderously beaming forth. The radiance of the glory of God because of Jesus Christ. And it's a huge, huge statement of the stunning nature of Jesus The glory of God pouring out. You know, I'll just say it this way. Uh, As heat is to the sun, so glory is to God. And man, I'm just telling you, the presence of God will beam forth as he makes himself known. As heat is to the sun, so glory is to God. It says, not only is he the radiance of the glory of God, but the exact imprint of his nature. Not a copy. Everybody say, not a copy. Really important we grasp this. The exact imprint imprint of his nature, like the fullness of God poured into the flesh of man, 
fully God, fully man. The exact imprint of God Almighty, the expression of God poured out in this physical world, that is Jesus Christ. The exact imprint of his nature. Well, what is God's nature? He is sinless. He is righteous. He is gracious. He is humble. He is gentle. He is holy. He is breathtaking and pure. That is what Jesus Christ is beaming forth, radiating forth. Jesus, sinless, righteous, gracious, humble, gentle, and holy. Jesus Christ. Man, he is greater. We need to grasp he is not just some good teacher. He is not just a guy who happened to have it together. He is the God of the universe radiating forth the glory and the greatness of God right here in this world. There is no one like him in all creation. He is greater. It says the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe. See, he does more than speak it into existence. Then he holds it together. Jesus Christ, by his very presence, holding together all that is physical. Like if you study the sciences, we would know those terms as things like gravity or something like that. And that's great that we kind of have this scientific understanding of the repetition of the way that Jesus Christ is doing that. But let me tell you, Jesus pulls back and takes away his power. None of that exists anymore and it all blows apart. Jesus Christ, he is the source and center. And if you want to start to study the sciences and see a little bit of the exactness, awesome in that. You are studying the exactness of how Jesus is holding it all together. Man, know this. I was an engineer for 17 years. I love the sciences. I love studying and knowing details on how pieces worked. I was becoming an expert on how Jesus chose to hold that together. May God get all the glory. May we celebrate that he is holding it together. He speaks it into existence. He holds it together. He is over it all. He is heir of all. And in the end, ultimately will be king of all. This is Jesus Christ. Now, the next phrase is interesting. It says, by the word of his power, by the word of his power. Please note, it does not say by the power of his word. Those are two very different things. By the word of his power, literally what creates and what holds it together is his power, his authority, his presence. His power is holding it together. He chose to express it through the word. The power being unleashed out and the spoken word being said. The power is not in the word. The power is in the person of Jesus Christ and the greatness and the glory of God. The power is in him as almighty creator. He chose to use the word to express his power. Super important deal. There's a lot of people that try to talk about the power of words. I just want to say this. There can be things that can affect us in the way we think or the way we talk, but know this. The real power is in the person of who you are and how you live and affect. Jesus is saying, I have the power and the authority over all things. And I chose to speak with that power and make an impact by the word of his power. Very big deal that we grasp that. Man, may we grasp that Jesus Christ is the greatest in all of creation. He sits over it. He created it. 
and it is held together by him, Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews, as he launched this passage, started with that. Know this, he is greater. He is over it all. There is none like him. He emits forth the greatness of the glory of God because he is God. It is the fullness of God poured into the flesh of man, fully God, fully man. He will reign forever as king. And Jesus Christ is the one we can believe in. Do you believe in that Jesus? Do you know him as your savior? And do you believe that he is risen from the dead alive, sacrificed on the cross for you and now alive? Do you believe? And are you willing to confess him as Lord? You know, Thomas Jefferson, uh, a great man in, in his own right, a helpful man for getting this country going. Let's at least put it that way. He had a lot of brilliant thoughts along the way. And actually, he had a phrase he said. He said the phrase, I like Jesus. That's a weird phrase, just so you know. I like Jesus. It's really not very powerful, right? I like Jesus. And then he goes, but I'm not really a fan of miracles. I don't really believe in them. And there's a lot of things that Jesus said where I was like, mm, that's a little too much on the religious or the spiritual front. I, I liked some of the more practical things, not all that other stuff. So he took a pair of scissors and he went into his Bible and he cut out anything about miracles or anything Jesus said that he kind of didn't agree with or sort of annoyed him, just cut those out. In fact, really kind of just ignored the rest of the Bible. It was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that was it. And only the pieces he left in, he cut the rest out. He believed in his Jesus. He did not believe in the Jesus. Man, do you believe in your own Jesus that you've made up, that you've pulled back, that you've weakened up in some ways you won't allow to have you dismiss from? Or do you believe in the great God of the universe who is over all? He is creator of all. He upholds all. He will be king over all. He is our almighty king. Stepped into this world, God among us. Do you know that Jesus? Do you believe in him as your savior? Are you in? Right? That's point number one. Don't pull back. Make sure you lean in with your God. Believe. Point number two. By the way, I love that sound. Do you hear that sound? So we're passing out the bulletin inserts again. We're going to be having these going from now on. And you're going to have the outline. And you'll be able to have the impact group questions. Uh, for those who are in impact groups, those are there. You also have the announcements. And those will be passed out every week. So you'll be able to stay up with us on that. So... Make sure you follow along as you're taking the notes. Love hearing those pages turn, right? Uh, here we go. Didn't plan on saying that, by the way, but love hearing those pages turn. Heard the same at the nine. Awesome. Here we go. Point number two, trust. Jesus is our sacrifice, superior to all creation. Trust. Jesus is our sacrifice, superior to all creation. It says, after making purifications for sin... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. After making purification for sins, this is really a Jewish term. He's talking about the cleansing that goes on, the purifying that takes place, the taking what was sinful and now making it holy. Jesus dying on the cross 
allows a payment to be made for us that can cover the debt we owe, purifying us, bringing us along a path to holiness and perfection. Jesus, making holy what was sinful. That's really what he's saying here. Jesus, making holy what was sinful in the purifying of sins. He sat down, like work done. You know, have you ever like worked in your yard and you had a lot of things you wanted to get done and when you got it all done, you went inside, you got a tall glass of water or whatever it is you love to be able to relax with, Mountain Dew Zero or whatever it is. And as you sit down and relax with this, all of a sudden you're sitting and you're just like, it's done, right? That's what he's saying here. He sat down like it is finished. Remember the declaration at the cross as Christ breathed his last payment made as Christ resurrected from the dead and then ascended into the heavens. The statement was made, it is finished. So he sat down, done, work over. He sat at the right hand of the majesty on high. He did this once for all. Why is it important that he sat down? Well, the priests in the Old Testament, they would actually do purification rites, but that would have to be repeated over and over and over. In fact, they had to stand when they got done doing it because they knew that they needed to do it again. Each day, purification rituals taking place over and over. The things that were going on were a shadow, a symbol, but Christ is what they were pointing to. The once and for all, done. Praise be to God. Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The right hand, meaning his ruling hand, his judging hand, his legal hand. God the Father saying, my justice is now meted out with what Christ has done on the cross. Praise be to God. And this huge privilege of being able to celebrate all that has taken place at the right hand of the majesty on high. Majesty meaning strong one or great one or magnificent one, speaking of God the Father. It says, having become as much superior to the angels. You might be like, what a strange topic change. Like, why in the world would we all of a sudden say greater than the angels? Where are the angels in conversation? Well, one thing we need to know is uh, when the book of Hebrews was written, there was actually a lot of struggle that was going on. And the struggle was about worship that was taking place with angels. They were getting distracted and they were going after saying, I want to make much of these angels that they knew were bright and powerful. They accomplished things. They were sinless. Those that followed after God and didn't go in the fall, perfect in nature. And they were messengers of God. And it sort of distracted away their attention. And they began to make much of angels. And so the author of Hebrews is like, dude, whatever you're worshiping down here, forget it. Jesus is way up here. He created those angels. Forget it, man. He is over it all. Don't miss it. And so he's like, hey, just so you know, he has become superior to the angels. That word superior there meaning better or superior or greater. And that's where we get the sermon title from. You're going to see this word repeat all throughout Hebrews. He is greater and all-powerful. But here's the deal, man. He is greater than the angels. What's he really saying? He's like, just so we know, angels, you may not know this, were actually called in the Old Testament sons, plural, sons of God, right? And Jesus is the son of God. And he's like, let's start making a distinction between the son of God and sons of God. There's a massive distinction. 
And here's the deal. At one level, both glorious and bright, both uh, principled, both sinless in that regard. But know this, Jesus emanating his perfection, them reflecting the perfection of God Almighty. Jesus, sinless, but ready, and also to make others sinless. Jesus Christ. No angel can accomplish it. Jesus Christ alone. He is sinless. And he can make you and me sinless, one degree of glory at a time, as he ushers us through and home to heaven, where perfection is brought on. Know this, Jesus Christ, he is sinless, and he can usher us to sinlessness as we believe in him, in heaven one day, as God does his amazing work, changing us. He is greater And all of God's people said, amen, man, it's a huge deal. Don't miss it. Jesus Christ doing a work in our lives and us having an extreme privilege of knowing him. It says, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. As the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, there's a lot of people that begin to discuss which name is this. In fact, there are many volumes of books written on what name this might be. And, uh, you know, most will say, I believe it's actually the name Son. You see it come up in verse 5 right after this. The Son or Son of God. Or it's back in verse 2 as well. And, you know, it could be in general sort of alluding to that. I think we need to keep something in mind, though. In the Hebrew, for the Jews, the name was not just the sound of the syllables on your lips. It wasn't just the sound you made. It was the entire personage that they chose to be and live as. The name was all that they are, not just the syllables that we call them, right? It's a really important deal. I mean, when you think about a name, it's great to have a good name. Like our grandson's name is Everett. And we can talk about Everett and we love being with Everett. And you're like, oh, Everett, that's a great name. And we love it. It's not though that he's great because the name is some unique sounds. That kid is awesome, man. You know what I mean? And as the person themselves is something, Christ is stunning and awesome. And it is his name. It is all that he stands for. So Philippians 2.11 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Revelation 5 says, worthy is the Lamb of God, right? It's whatever name is applied to him. Dude, I think we're dropping to our knees, whatever name is used for him, because it's him. Jesus Christ, may he get all the glory. Whether he's called Jesus in that moment, Lamb of God in that moment, the Son of God in that moment, man, I'm telling you, it is him standing over it all with massive authority and glory. He has been given that preeminence and he's inherited it across the means as this all got created and put under him. And all of God's people said, it's a really big deal that Jesus is getting celebrated as the one and only. It says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This is a quote from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. And uh, he's really quoting out here, God the Father's talking to Jesus, and he says, you are my son. Now remember, the angels were called sons of God. And so a very big distinction is being made here. He's saying, listen, I know that the angels are called sons of God, but this one is called son of God. And as the fullness of God is poured into the flesh of man, 
And this fully God, fully man being there, God the Father making a statement, I will live as father over this one, and he will live as my son. And that is the only two that will have this connection. This is who he is. None like him. Man, this is a huge, everybody just say, none like him. None like Jesus Christ. He alone, this being. And then it says next, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. This is from 2 Samuel 7, 14. And it's when God was revealing how it was going to work with the kingship. And he's like, there will be a Messiah king who will rule forever. And I will call him father and he will be my son. He was speaking of Jesus Christ. And he's like, there's a God the father and a God the son. And they're the only two and they connected together. God the father, God the son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons thunderous connection. Jesus is greater than all. May we grasp it. May we lean on him and may we count on him. Simple question. So do you believe? Do you believe that there is none greater than Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he is risen from the dead? He is alive and with power. Do you believe that he is God Almighty? Do you believe? Do you believe that he is Savior? He will be King. He is heir over all, and he is greater. Are you in? And have you taken your life to a point where you've said, I believe, Jesus, that you are risen? I believe. And I confess, you're in charge of my life. You are greater than all. Lord, take over. Have you believed? Man, if you haven't, today's the day. And if you have, man, here's the next question. Have you taken a stand publicly with him and said, I believe in that God? Man, we have a baptism service coming up next week. And this baptism service is going to be an awesome celebration that Jesus Christ is greater. Man, if you have believed in Jesus Christ and you have not since been baptized, next week is for you. We would love to get you baptized. Come join with us. Let's make this a celebration as you get to stand up and say, Jesus Christ is greater. Maybe you're facing some problem in your life. There's some struggle going on. There's some heartache taking place. Maybe all the junk of this world is washing on your shore and it's time to say, Lord Jesus, I'm letting you be in charge of my life. You're greater and I'm standing with you.